Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Strong, Fit and Free podcast. So excited to have you on here. Thank you for listening. Um, Today I am diving in to gut issues, specifically IBS. Obviously, um, it pertains to my own journey and what I do as a coach, specifically when it comes to gut health issues. Gut health, it's a massive, massive topic. There's so many different um, types of gut issues that people could suffer with, Um, but I focus on irritable bowel syndrome, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. So before I get started and I dive in, um, I just want to provide a a small disclaimer because um, I am not a doctor by any means. I'm also not a dietitian. I am a strength and nutrition coach and um, my, you know, information is purely based on information and should not be considered as medical advice in any way. Um, And everyone is different. Everybody has their own unique gut and unique journey when it comes to their own health. So this episode today is um, only informational and um, should not be considered as medical advice at all. So if you do have you know or suspect any IBS or um, anything that requires, um, you know, getting diagnosed by a doctor, please seek medical advice. Um, Consult your medical professional before you make any changes to your diet and lifestyle. Okay, now that that, all of that is out of the way, let's dive into the episode. So over 80% of the population has gut issues. And my question is, do you or do you suspect that you do? Because believe me, every other person out there that I speak to has somewhat of a issue when it comes to digestion. So today we're going to look into what is IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and um, perhaps it will give you a little bit more of an insight into your symptoms and give you a bit more information on whether or not you may have it. So let's dive right in. What is IBS? So irritable bowel syndrome is one of those pretty sucky conditions um, for those who have it um, that is considered by some to actually be not real. However, we are very lucky now that it's being recognized as a real disorder. Um, It's not a disease. It's just a disorder or a collection of symptoms. And I'll dive into those later on in the uh, episode. But um, those who seem to suffer with IBS are diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome um, after they have been ruled out for any other serious health issues such as IBD, irritable bowel disease, Crohn's, cancer, diverticulitis, and any other more serious um, disease of the bowel. So once IBS has been um, confirmed, the next obvious step is managing, alleviating, reducing, or ideally eliminating the painful and discomforting symptoms. Because it's not a disease, and it isn't just a collection of symptoms, you can absolutely beat it, okay? So you are not stuck with IBS forever. 
you're not um, stuck with IBS for life by any means. So um, that's what we're going to be talking about today, um, some natural ways that you can actually manage it. Um, And today's episode, I wanted to provide some understanding of the causes, the symptoms of IBS, um, give you some quick tips on the natural solutions that have worked for me over the years and, of course, some of my clients that provide ongoing relief. But also, I just wanted to make a point that this is not an exhaustive episode where I'm going to cover everything there is to know about um, IBS because, like I said, gut health is a very, very large topic. So you're going to be seeing a lot more episodes on different um, nuances of gut health issues and um, also I work with clients individually so you know what I share here as some tips and tricks are you know on a general sort of basis and not like unique to you so if you do have IBS or you do have gut health issues um, just take these tips as general guidelines and not unique because you'd have to work with me on a one-to-one basis for more, um, you know, a more, a more one-to-one kind of advice. So let's dive right in. Okay. So irritable bowel syndrome, let's look at what it is, is a medical condition that affects actually um, the large intestine and is known to affect around 10 to 15% of the population worldwide. Um, This number could, you know, be more, or um, it it really depends, because a lot of people have IBS, but they haven't been actually diagnosed. So the number can be uh, more. Um, And it's a chronic gastrointestinal disorder, and it occurs 50% more actually in women than in men. Oh, great. (laughs) Um, So there is no direct cause of IBS that has been established. Um, But in more than half of the cases of IBS, the onset or when it begins has occurred before the age of 35 years old and affects also 5% to 20% of children. And IBS is a condition belonging to a range of complaints. Um, like I said at the beginning, it's a, you know, a collection of symptoms and it belongs to a range of complaints identified as functional GI disorders, even though tests indicate that no abnormalities in the bowel exist. Um, so you could be going to the doctor and, you know, you could get a colonoscopy or an endoscopy and everything comes back normal. And the, but the bowel still functions abnormally. So it, it's a very misunderstood disorder and very confusing. And it's, um, quite frankly, really shit to deal with when you have no idea what's going on. So let's look at some of the contributing factors. So no, like I said, there's no direct cause of IBS that has been established. So if you read something out there that says, you know, this is the cause of IBS, it's usually bullshit. Um, They're trying to sell you something um, and you might see a lot of, you know, like tests being done now to test your poop and look at your gut microbiome. Like all of this stuff is really just um, 
marketing and not really, there's no real science yet to it. Um, there's still lots of research having to be done. So um, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. So um, researchers believe that they've discovered numerous factors that may trigger the onset, onset of symptoms. And um, some of these um, include things like emotional stress, such as depression and anxiety, hormonal issues, some medications, even digestive tract infections. And we're going to talk a little bit more about um, this in another episode. I want to dive in into um, SIBO and the potential confusion around that, um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in another episode. But recent studies actually um, suggest that not one but a combination of issues acting on the intestines may be responsible for IBS. So various issues relating to the intestinal wall may activate reactions that alter bowel function. And also bowel irritations caused by badly digested food may stimulate the nerves in the, di um, in the intestinal wall. Sorry, This can result in intestinal ses sensitivity and pain. Um, the symptoms of IBS appear to happen as a consequence of an abnormal communication between the nervous system and the bowel. So um, I wanted to kind of start with that because that is um, a huge part of it. And some researchers believe that a faulty gut-brain connection may be one reason for IBS symptoms. The, the brain has a direct effect on the stomach. And uh, the GI tract is sensitive to all emotions. I don't know if you guys have um, heard, I'm sure you have, heard the expression um, gut feeling right? So when you have that gut feeling that something's off, you know, quote unquote, it's, it's because that, that, um, you know, saying has stemmed from, you know, the science behind how our, our gut is related to our brain and connected. Um, so things like feelings of anger, anxiety, um, sadness, and even, um, happiness and excitement activate a response in your gut and therefore intestinal distress, um, could be the result of feelings of anxiety, depression, or other emotions. And this is believed to cause abnormal muscle contractions leading to a lot of IBS symptoms and flare-ups. So um, I wanted to kind of touch on the importance of one um, hormone in particular called serotonin. And um, we're going to look at how that affects IBS. So there's also a belief um, that a lack of the neurotransmitter serotonin may be an important trigger in the symptoms of IBS. So research has found a deficiency of serotonin in the body and that can alter the function of the nerve cells in the bowel and um, it can change the sensation and bowel function essentially. So what is serotonin anyway? So serotonin affects our happiness, our feelings and our emotions and is an important factor in preventing anxiety and depression. 
And this chemical is found in the central nervous system and blood cells and the GI tract and is a regulator of mood, sleep, and appetite. And I just kind of wanted to share a personal experience here when it comes to anxiety and depression because actually my IBS symptoms started when I had the onset of depression back when I was 22. So when I was 22, that's when things started all for me with IBS and when my gut and digestive system started acting up. And that was actually um, the same time where I was feeling depressed, where I went to see a um, doctor and they put me on antidepressants. I think I'll go into more detail about that in another episode where um, I'll dive deeper into the connection between anxiety, depression, and, and IBS. But um, just to kind of touch on it a little bit, um, you know, that is when it happened for me. That is when things just, you know, kind of cascaded. And um, there is a huge link between anxiety, depression, and gut health. So um, I just wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, and to create serotonin, our body utilizes a um, amino acid called tryptophan. And um, you can obtain tryptophan from high protein foods. Um, tryptophan from the protein that we eat is converted into serotonin melatonin and vitamin b6 by the brain so our body cannot cannot make its own tryptophan consuming foods that are rich in this protein is the only way our body is going to obtain this important amino acid um and as, as a side note that's why protein is super important macro. Um, many IBS sufferers have been found to have unusually sensitive intestines and bowels. And believe me, I, I can vouch for that because um, my bowels are extremely sensitive. Any weird food, anything out of the norm can set my bowel off onto a collection of symptoms that can bring me back to feeling like absolute crap. So because of this, diet has been suggested as a possible contributor to the severity of the symptoms. And I absolutely believe in this 100%. Diet can play a huge role in how we manage IBS. And that's how I do it with my clients. Um, while I do not absolutely prescribe any specific diet because I'm not a dietitian, I do help my clients um, get a control over their diet and help them with the symptoms and the food that can um, set off the symptoms. So um, there is really no particular food or uh, a particular food allergy that has been found um, to bring the onset of the symptoms or bring on the symptoms, sorry. But there are lots of different types of food that can trigger certain um, symptoms in lots of different people. So that is something to take into consideration. Now, the long-term um, prognosis, it's oh, a big word, isn't that? Prognosis sounds very scary. Um, but there's really no determined link between irritable bowel syndrome and the more serious bowel disorders, such as colitis and bowel cancer. But nevertheless, the symptoms are often painful and very disruptive, and it can be unpleasant, embarrassing, and cause major, major trauma 
to the person who has IBS. And believe me, it did to me for years and years and years. And I spent most of my 20s suffering. And um, I suffered a lot in silence because I was embarrassed. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to share my experience. I shared it only with my closest friends. And then when I developed my anal fistula, it became even worse because I was so embarrassed. And at the time, I was in a relationship. I didn't want to tell my my boyfriend at the time about it. It was, you know, it, it was just extremely uncomfortable. And um, it really can have so many detrimental effects on the quality of life of a person. And, uh, and that's why I got into um, wanting to help people with IBS and, uh, and, and wanting to help people who have fitness goals and health and fitness goals, um, but also have IBS, because it can totally disrupt your life. And so that's why I do what I do. So um, with that being said, let's dive in to um, some of the symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome because really that is the meat of the um, disorder. So the symptoms of IBS can really vary from person to person. Um, and that's why I cannot really, um, you know, say eat this for this symptom and eat that for that symptom because it's so different for everyone. And uh, when I coach my clients, when we work together, um, we really dive deep and we keep a food diary and we look at, you know, all the possible variables. But um, so yeah, the symptoms of IBS can be different from any person to person. And it's believed that one in five people actually experience some of the unpleasant symptoms of IBS at some time in their life. So maybe you don't have IBS. Maybe you don't um, have any specific pattern to your symptoms. Perhaps you might experience some of the symptoms, you know, on and off different times of the year or different times of the day, or, you know, it could be different, right? So women are twice as likely to develop the condition as men, like I mentioned at the beginning. And IBS rarely produces first-time symptoms in people over 40 years old. So um, it's it's really, it's just so confusing. It's one of those really confusing um confusing uh, disorders. And um, I wanted to just discuss a little bit about my symptoms first before I dive into the, the different types of symptoms that IBS can, can manifest as. Now, my experience was with IBS-C, and that is IBS constipation dominant. So I was constipated for... <laughs> at least 10 years, um, on and off. Um, one day I would be fine. One day I wouldn't be, uh, next week I'd be okay. And the next week I'd be writhing in pain. And this went on for years and years and years with absolutely no idea what the heck was wrong. And, um, believe me, constipation is horrible. And I'm sure if you, if you suffer with constipation, um, at any time, it, it's it. You can agree that it's one of the most uncomfortable feelings. You feel full. You don't feel like you. Um, you know, you don't feel healthy because you've got all this poop stuck in you. And um, when you've got um, poop stuck in you, it's you know, your 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 the toxins are circulating and going back into your bloodstream. So it can make you feel lethargic. It can make you feel sick. Um, you can feel like you've got headaches. Um, all sorts of things, brain fog, um, bloating, gas, all of that. So I went through it all and not to mention the other things that can come with constipation, such as hemorrhoids, um, anal fistula, anal fissures, um, 
lots of things, but I might go into that in another episode because, again, so much um, information can be talked about on those things. Um, but then after I um, con- like conquered my constipation, um, I went vegan. And veganism, the vegan diet, the plant-based diet, actually brought on a, another type of IBS, which is IBSD, IBS diarrhea dominant. And so... Um, It's crazy how our bodies can change over the years. And that's why I believe that there is no one size fits all diet for everybody at any time in their life, because you could have, you know, you could have one problem when in your 20s and then in your 30s have a completely different issue. So it's so important to be flexible with your diet and not to be stuck on any dogmatic belief around diet because it can change any moment. Um, So um, there are many painful and embarrassing symptoms of IBS um, and I will talk a little bit about them right now. Um, Some of the symptoms include diarrhea, constipation, abdominal pain, cramping, bloating, nausea, vomiting. Um, Diagnosis of IBS is difficult, let me tell you that. I mean, it took me a while, like several years before I actually got to the bottom of it because um, most doctors generally um, don't look at diet and how it can affect your gut and digestion. And so I actually initially had to go to a naturopathic doctor, a, a new, sorry, a homeopathic doctor um, who explained to me how there was a lot of different foods that could set off, you know, um, bloating and could set off gas and constipation at the time. So Let's look at the first one, diarrhea. Diarrhea is by far the most common symptom of IBS. Um, however, it's not. It's, it's, it's interesting to note that in almost half of the known cases of IBS, it does not cause diarrhea. Um, so it could be so incredibly confusing. And if an attack of diarrhea is imminent, um, the need to empty the bowels can be very persistent. So you could be sitting in a restaurant and you could have just had a really amazing meal and then your IBS can flare up and then literally within like one or two minutes, you will need to run run to the toilet because you need to have a poo. Um, So when taken unaware, so when, you know, you're not completely aware that you even have IBS in this situation, it could be so embarrassing. And um, discomfort is, is, is incredibly, it's just all horrible, really. And it can be incredibly traumatic to the sufferer. I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched Bridesmaids, the movie, but there's um, a scene in that movie where um, the girls go to a, I think it was a, a Brazilian steakhouse for... Um, they're, they're like they got together and they were going to go and try on um, wedding dresses. And I'm probably spoiling the movie right now for anyone who hasn't watched it. But let's just say that they go to this Brazilian restaurant and they all get explosive diarrhea. And that's what it can feel like to a lot of people who have IBSD. Um, the fear of these situations um, and, and, and the fear of not being near a bathroom 
can often result in people literally not going out. And I can tell you one thing for me, um, when I had, I mean, I didn't have IBSD, but I can tell you when I did, when I was constipated, um, some days I just didn't even want to go out because I would have to sit on the toilet for hours trying to, you know, evacuate. So um, a recent study involving 200 adults found that 12 bowel movements a week was the average for diarrhea predominant IBS sufferers. And this was more than twice the number of movements averaged by adult people who have IBS. So um, that is astonishing. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine that many poops? Um, Diarrhea is by far one of the hardest ones to, one of the hardest symptoms to deal with if you do have IBS. then there's constipation. So um, more than 50% of IBS sufferers ha- are constipated or um, are constipation predominant. And constipation is actually very misunderstood, but it's described as having less than three bowel movements per week. Um, a symptom of IBS is the change in bowel movement. So that's a big, big, big one. So when you're looking to diagnose or looking to pinpoint triggers, you that is one of the things that you need to look at first is a change in bowel movement. Um, this change can increase the speed or, or slow down the regular transit of your stool. So transit time, which is basically how quickly your poop um, moves through your colon and exits your anus um, when you go for poo. Um, So that's transit time. So that's how you can track um, how quickly your stool passes. Um, And then so when the process slows down, the bowel absorbs more water from the stool and this dries and hardens the stool, making it difficult to pass. Um, So constipation predominant um, uh, IBS often describes as a sensation of incomplete bowel evacuation um, that encourages unnecessary straining. And believe me, I've been there, done that for many years. The straining is where people encounter most of the problems because one, it's the pain. Um, You could feel like you are having a workout (laughs) literally on the toilet because of the the energy expenditure on, on the straining. You can you know, it can bring on onset of hemorrhoids. It can cause uh, tears in the anus, causing anal fissures um, and bleeding. It's horrible, guys. And believe me, um, I'm I'm being really candid on this uh, podcast about IBS because um, not a lot of people talk about it. Um, it's still considered taboo. It's still considered something super embarrassing to be open about it. So even on groups on Facebook, people are embarrassed to share about their experiences. So um, believe me, I'm going to be very open and honest on here. So I am not holding back. Um, so then there's mixed or alternating diarrhea and constipation. So this is known as IBS mixed or um yeah IBS mixed diarrhea or constipation and um it affects approximately 20% of patients who have IBS and this condition in people with IBS involves chronic reoccurring abdominal pain the chronic pain uh part of it is the best clue I would say um that the condition is indeed IBS related and not due to diet or other factors so this particular form of IBS is considered more severe and um uh yeah severe more than others and the symptoms are more intense 
and they tend to occur more frequently. Um, so um, that is IBS mixed. And the sufferers of this mixed IBS also have more varying symptoms as well. So from one person to another, it could be different altogether and requires the treatment to be more specific to each person's needs. Um, then there's the symptoms of pain and cramping. And this could happen to anyone, really. Um, I'm sure you've experienced pain and cramping before. Um, it's also a symptom that is very common for people with IBS. Um, but it's related to that gut-brain axis that we spoke about earlier. Um, the connection, you know, because um, you've got these... You, uh, these um, muscles in your your digestive tract becoming tense and painful and causing these cramps um, the pain can spread over you know a wide area of the abdomen um, however it can be even localized in the lower left area of the abdomen and tends to decrease following a bowel movement and i'll give you an example of this actually because it could be oftentimes very um kind of scary i would say when you've got these incredibly painful cramps happening and they can sometimes present themselves underneath your rib cage and this could scare people into thinking they may be having a heart attack and i can give you an example of myself um quite recently actually it was sometime last last um i think it was last year around february this time last year I had a particularly um, large uh, meal of like, I had like, I think it was like a really big soup of vegetables and lots and lots of water. I love my soups, um, but I don't, you know, I don't have them a lot anymore, um, heavy in veggies because they, they can trigger my IBS symptoms. But um, at the time I did have this very large soup at night and I drank all this water, which was obviously the, the liquid of the soup. And then the next day, oh, and bear in mind, I had my period at the time. So um, IBS symptoms can flare up uh, during the menstrual cycle because um, it can affect the um, gut, uh, you know, the menstrual cycle and the hormones involved. Again, uh, all of this is for another episode, but um, I had woken up in the middle of the night with these incredibly strong cramps right underneath my rib cage on um, the left side and I started freaking the fuck out I thought I was having a heart attack I'm not even kidding um, and I was you know really really I was just like in so much pain so um, you know obviously it was just because of I was super bloated from the the soup and I was also you know obviously being on my period I was having cramps uh from my period and then I was having cramps from my IBS symptoms coming back because of the soup and all the liquids that I was having and how bloated I was oh my god it was absolutely horrible um and so this can happen quite often so um it could be quite scary um the next step uh the next um symptoms that are very common is gas and bloating gas and bloating i'm sure you guys i'm sure everybody goes through this everyone i'm not in fact i'm not sure i'm pre pretty certain most people um experience gas or bloating at some point in their life but guess what it's not normal guys it's not normal to be gassy and bloated all the time um if you're bloated all the time something's up 
okay? And I think there's like this new wave on Instagram as well that I've just noticed where girls just um, take pictures of themselves when they're bloated and they say that it's normal. It's not normal. It's not. So um, let's stop pretending that it's normal to be bloated. Um, so bloating and gas um, is you know, increased production of gas in the gut. And it's a result of a altered digestion caused by IBS, but it also could be other things. Okay. So it's not just IBS. Um, it could be, um, you know, food sensitivity. It could be overgrowth of bad bacteria. It could be infection. Um, so there's lots of reasons why you could be bloated and you could be gassy. Um, you could be just eating too quickly and, you know, bringing in a lot of air while you're eating, um, you know, eating a lot of chewing gum. So um, it's not just related to IBS by any means. But um, this gas produces the uncomfortable feeling of bloat. So it's the bloating is caused by the gas um, causing this, this distension of the, um, the, the abdominal wall. And it's, it's definitely one of the most irritating symptoms because I don't know about you, but there's nothing worse than not being able to zip up your jeans when you're bloated. (laughs) So, um, then there's fatigue and insomnia that, and, and, you know, this is again, very uh, subjective, but many studies have also found that people with IBS can often exhibit symptoms similar to insomniacs, which is very interesting. Um, They have difficulty getting to sleep and waking up, feeling unrested, and it's usually because of the symptoms itself um, that keep you awake at night. Um, But in general, the fatigue affects your quality of life. And believe me, when you've got IBS and you've got all these symptoms happening, Um, and you have issues with food, you can't eat certain foods, some foods trigger you and you can't get your nutrients in, um, uh, you know, this, this can affect your quality of life, obviously, but it can make you super tired because you're not getting the nutrition that you need. So, um, you know, there's that. Um, and then anxiety and depression, um, are very, very common. And again, I think I'm going to go into a little bit more detail in another episode because it's so interesting. And I've got a lot to talk about on this because of my own journey with depression and anxiety. But, um, there's been a large study of like 94,000 people, um, found that men and women with IBS were 50% more likely to have an anxiety disorder. Um, over 70% were more likely to have a mood disorder, such as depression. Um, than people who do not have IBS. So the question of anxiety and depression is unclear, but it is a vicious circle. So, um, you know, are IBS symptoms a result of mental stress or does the stress of being an IBS sufferer make people more likely to suffer with these psychological problems? You know, there's there's that. So um, it's it's very interesting. All right, guys. So um, I hope I'm. I'm. I've, I've, I hope you're still with me um, in in this. And um, I just wanted to kind of very quickly touch on IBD, IBS, um, irritable bowel disease, and the difference because um, there is a big difference between IBS and IBD. 
irritable bowel syndrome and irritable bowel disorder. So both are chronic GI conditions, but they have similar names so people can get confused. So I'm not going to go into too much detail because again, I don't want this episode to be like three hours long, but um, the, the symptoms are very common and very similar, but they are quite different in how they are diagnosed. Um, and of course, IBD is much more... Um, it's a disease. So IBD is um, very, very complex um, in comparison to IBS. Um, So um, just kind of wanted to point that out. Um, I mean, the exact cause of IBD is not known. Um, Researchers believe that the IBD types, um, such as Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis are the result of an immune system error that causes inflammation in the bowel tissue. So it's believed that sufferers of these conditions have a genetic predisposition to IBD. Um, In fact, my best friend um, was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease um, when she was younger. Um, So, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not something to be taken lightly. Um, it's definitely a much more serious disease than IBS. That's, you know, what I mentioned at the beginning. Um, It's very, very important that you rule out that you have IBD, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, um, cancer, and any of those things in um, your GI tract. So it's very important that you see your doctor, don't self-diagnose, um, you know, if you need a second opinion, go to see somebody else. Um, it's super duper important that you are clear of um, exactly what it is that you have before you even start um, your treatment and before you even start changing your diet. Um, so, yeah. So now that brings me to um, the fun part of the episode, I think, to share a little bit about some natural healing solutions for IBS um, that um, have been shown to work. Now, these are not exhaustive. Like I said, there's lots of different ways that you can manage the symptoms. And I'm going to talk a little bit more um, in detail on different ways that you can manage your symptoms. But um, I can tell you one thing. Uh, Many IBS sufferers have already tried pharmaceutical drugs. So um, things like Linzess, you know, uh, fiber supplements, laxatives, the lot, you know, there's a lot of people on drugs to manage the decision, uh, the decision, <laughs> the disease um, and symptoms of IBS. And, um, you know, there's been other medical treatments that have been recommended by their doctor. And while I'm not at all suggesting you come off your medication by any means, um, I think there's a lot of people now wanting to go down the more natural route. And I completely agree because um, you know, while drugs can mitigate the symptoms, they don't actually get to the root cause of the um, disorder. And that's what I do with my clients. We um, work together with their doctor and, you know, we, we try and wean you off these drugs if possible and look at the, the, the root cause. And that's really what functional um, nutrition is about, um, is, is getting to the root cause of why you have what you have and what you're suffering with and um, not just putting a Band-Aid on top, right? So um, there's a lot of natural therapies that have been proven beneficial in the treatment of uh, lots of 
uh, many illnesses, but this includes IBS. And I wanted to kind of share um, a couple. And the first one is acupuncture. Um, acupuncture is a natural healing solution for IBS in a sense that it's quite um, beneficial for people with chronic pain. Um, it's not fully understood how this kind of traditional Chinese treatment works, but masters of this therapy believe the needles stimulate electronic signals in the body. And they explain that the signals either encourage the body to release pain, um, killing chemicals, or they activate the the body's natural healing system and acupuncture is a popular alternative therapy for IBS and some tests have found it to be very helpful in the relief of stomach pain and bloating so that is one option um, another one is cognitive behavioral therapy CBT so um, I've actually been studying CBT and um, I'm working through a, a course um, to become a CBT practitioner um, so I'm really excited about that but CBT uh, teaches people to identify and change false opinions they have formed about themselves over the years um, it's used to train people with IBS that they can ease their symptoms and, and improve their quality of life through their their thinking and belief. Now, remember that gut brain axis, um, depression, anxiety, all of this is psychological, right? So a lot of people who have IBS um, and are stuck in that kind of poor me mentality and I'm never going to get better and I'm stuck with this disease or I'm it's a life sentence um, can really benefit from CBT and in a study researchers gave a group of IBS patients up to 10 weeks of CBT therapy sessions and the sessions covered information on IBS and muscle relaxation techniques um, and um, they you know learned ways that they can curb worries and you know any like you know, anxiety surrounding the illness that, that, that they have and self-limiting beliefs and things like that. So um, within my coaching program, I actually work on, um, you know, helping my clients with um, just, you know, with their self-limiting beliefs and looking at goal setting and looking at ways that they can manage um, their emotions surrounding their um, pain and anxiety around their symptoms. Um, they were, you know, these patients in this study were actually also taught how to develop a flexible set of problem solving skills. So things like when um, they do get uh, an, a flare up uh, of the disease, um, I keep saying disease, it's not a disease, sorry guys, of this disorder, um, then they can they can kind of go into their toolbox and find different ways that they can manage um, their thoughts and their problem solving skills. So things like being prepared before you go out, um, not being, you know, caught hungry and then grabbing things that might trigger your symptoms um, and making sure that you, um, you know, always are close or near to a bathroom, things like that, you know. So um, CBT can is one of the really like very, um, what's the word, um, effective. So then there's probiotics. Now, this is a huge, I mean, this is a huge topic, probiotics. I'm sure you've heard about probiotics, but probi probiotics are live bacteria found in fermented foods like yogurt, kefir, um, and you can also find them in supplement form. 
But um, like I said, it's this is a really big, big topic that I could, you know, make a, uh, an episode just on probiotics. But um, probiotics have been shown to improve the gut microbiome and the um, bacteria living in the gut. So, um, you know, it depends on many factors such as where the probiotics are coming from. Are they effective? Um, you know, but probiotics can help with you know, just general gut health and making sure that you've got a strong gut. Um, so you can also find them in supplement form, but you really need to know what to look for. And I'm going to make, again, an episode just on probiotics and what to look for when you're looking for probiotics. Um, and then there's herbs. And this is actually one that um, lots of people find um, helpful. Things like um, peppermint, and ginger have been shown to have a calming effect on the muscles of the colon. So things like reducing spasms when you've got cramping, having a bit of peppermint tea, ginger tea. Um, so when the muscles in the colon are tense, symptoms like diarrhea and abdominal discomfort can increase. And so peppermint oil or peppermint tea and ginger tea is quite popular. And I, I, I can swear by it sometimes um, when I, I feel, you know, an on set of the flare-ups I can always find some some relief you know in in these um herbs um so just a, a quick you know uh, disclaimer again herbs and supplements may react adversely with some medications so make sure that you talk to your doctor or your pharmacist if you are taking any specific medication and make sure that they don't uh, contra um indicate with your um with your yeah your herbs with your medication so um yeah so guys like really i i could go on and on and on about so many things um there's another thing that has has been shown to help ibs sufferers and that's the low fodmap diet and i'm going to go into detail again in another episode but if you suffer from ibs i'm sure you've already heard of the low fodmap diet and i'm sure maybe you've even tried it um you might have found relief uh perhaps you might have not found relief now personally for me I don't believe that it's a long-term solution. A FODMAP, low FODMAP diet is supposed to be only done uh, short-term to find triggers, to um, remove triggers, and then heal the gut, and then be able to reintroduce foods. So the low FODMAP diet can cause a lot of... Um, people to eliminate tons and tons of food um, that are not necessarily needed to be eliminated. Um, so, I mean, it's a form of an elimination diet. Um, and, you know, while it can be effective, um, it's not a long-term solution. And for those who don't know what FODMAPs are, um, FODMAP is an acronym for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. Um, they are sugars found in the foods that we eat. So they are a type of a sugar and they might be um, triggers for some people, people that are struggling to digest them um, and they end up causing, um, you know, a lot of IBS symptoms. Now, I'm going to go deeper into how this diet works, but um, I just wanted to kind of, you know, talk a little bit about that and um, just share with you guys a little bit about what it is. Um, so another 
type of diet that has been gaining a lot of popularity recently is the carnivore diet. Um, the carnivore diet is um, a extreme elimination diet where you literally just eat meat and animal foods. You do not eat any plants. You do not eat any dairy. Um, you don't eat any fruit, um, no sugars, literally nothing other than meat um, and fish and um, even um, you, you're not even allowed to have coffee essentially so um, this is actually interesting to me and I'm just going to kind of touch on it a little bit um, while I have not tried it um, personally I am very intrigued by you know the the gain the, the huge um, popularity that it's gaining um, and also the many many anecdotal um experiences that I can see out there um, from people who have used it to eliminate autoimmune diseases and um, IBS, gut health um, problems, digestive disorders, um, and even just, you know, weight loss and things like that. So um, I personally don't see it as a very um, good long-term solution to your problems because it's very, very limited and very, very uh, restrictive. And it could be a solution for extreme cases, but as a, um, you know, on a general level, I think it's, it's almost almost impossible to um, stick to a purely carnivore diet for the rest of your life um, but I do respect those who have used it and continue to use it but again I do find it very dogmatic and um, I do think that it, it is just too damn extreme so um, it could be a, a short-term solution but definitely not a long-term solution so um, that concludes today's episode guys now I just wanted to kind of reiterate a little bit on IBS. Now, the symptoms of IBS are centered on the digestive system. It's natural to kind of want to blame um, this solely on physical causes like diet. But, you know, diet is a big part of it, but it can um, be a, just a small part of it in terms of different people having different symptoms and uh, everyone being different. So you still have to consider the mental and emotional inputs that may also be contributing to the problem. And it could also be contributing to the, 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 the primary cause of IBS. Um, and with, uh, and as with, you know, uh, many other conditions, um, lifestyle issues, you, you know, have to also be taken into consideration. So your lifestyle, your genetics, um, so many things can play a role in IBS and the symptoms of IBS. Um, and remember, the symptoms of IBS are your body's feedback mechanism. It's feedback. Look at it as feedback from your body. Your body is telling you that something isn't right. So you need to pay attention. Don't just you know, flood your body with drugs or, um, you know, live with it. Um, you, you can beat it. You can conquer it. Absolutely. I've done it. And some of my clients have done it and I know you can too. So take the time to listen to what your body is trying to tell you. Um, usually there's just, it's either too much of something or too little of something else, a food or stress, anxiety, or a combination of all those things. So just be positive, um, take action to remove the likely triggers and, um, 
have the the right mindset that you can actually conquer this. Um, So look, I'll be diving deeper in the next few episodes on more specific topics such as how fiber can make IBS worse and how gut issues um, and you know, how you can plan um, exercise and your training around your um, IBS. So how you can plan your workouts around your IBS symptoms and flare-ups and all the good stuff. So I, um, believe me, I cannot wait to dive in deeper. Um, So I do want to end this episode right here because otherwise I'm going to be talking till the cows come home. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and you found some value. Now, please, please, I would love it if you could... um, leave a review on the um, podcast. And if you enjoyed the episodes, share it with your friends and um, share it on your Facebook, your Instagram, social media, leave me a comment, whatever it is, send me a DM. I just want to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have any ideas of episodes that you'd like to listen to, topics that you'd like to listen to. Um, And also you can find me on social media, on Instagram, Alessia D Coaching, and also on the same on Facebook. And you can contact me um, through those channels as well. So thanks again for listening, guys. And um, I hope you have a fantastic week. And I'll speak to you guys next week. All right. Have a great day. Bye.